morning, everybody. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to study how a prayer language can be a real blessing to you. And Lord, as we open the scriptures, we just ask for you to teach us and help us understand what will help us grow. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. I received Christ at age 18, and about 19, I was at a conference where somebody was teaching on the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a church that we never studied the Bible. My family never prayed. I didn't know anything hardly about God at all. And as a new believer, I'm at this conference where someone is talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. And uh, when the service was over, they had people come around, college students, and lay hands on our heads and pray for us that we would receive not only Holy Spirit, but a prayer language. And uh, some, I think three college kids came around and prayed for me. I didn't feel anything. Actually, I did feel one thing. I felt foolish. I felt very, very foolish. Uh, A few little words came out. But that kind of dried up and went away for like 20 some odd years. And I just thought nothing happened. But what I did know, some incredible things happened. I just didn't understand it. So if I could give you an overview of how a prayer language works, I'd like to do that today. So open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, pursue love, yet desire spiritual gifts. For, for instance, that you may prophesy, verse 1. Verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 3, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification. An exhortation and consolation, that means in a big group. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, one who prophesies edifies the church. Well, let me walk through this with you and try to answer some questions. I first want to give you a little story. When I was a kid, uh, I saw this movie one day. It was called The Charge of the Light Brigade, Olivia de Havilland, and uh, this guy, Errol, Errol Flynn, and growing up in South Carolina, we pronounced it Earl Flynn. And it's the story of the Crimean War where the Germans and the Turks uh, fought, and the Russians, they all fought each other with uh, the English and the French involved. It was a messy war. So at the end of the movie, there's this big cavalry charge, which I thought was absolutely terrific, where the British cavalry, they charge a, they charge a artillery position. And it's a true story. What the British were trying to do was to take back captured guns before, before they could be used on them. And they heard that the Russians were pulling these artillery pieces away. So as the story goes... Uh, these 660-some-odd guys on horses charge these positions. Does anybody know who this picture is? In school, you might have heard of Alfred Lord Tennyson, who made this battle famous with a poem called The Charge of the Light Brigade. And 
just his wording made you feel like you were on a horse charging down this valley half a league, half a league, half a league on into the valley of death charged the 600. Uh, has anybody ever heard that? Thank you, thank you, all three of you. Thank you very much. So these 670 brave men on fast horses with sabers and lances, they run down this valley, and boy, were they surprised. The cannons weren't retreated. There were 50 cannons focused on them. And not only 50 artillery pieces, but there were 20 battalions of Russian troops dug in waiting on them. It was a bloodbath. Half of their troops were wiped out. Most of the others were captured. It was a debacle. It was glorious indeed because people like Tennyson made it glorious and movies made it glorious. It was just a glorious failure. That's all it was. A horrible failure. Uh, they, had, they actually attacked the wrong position. It was a communication failure. The guy that got the orders got the orders wrong and they all suffered because of a communication failure. How many of you have made huge mistakes because you did not know what was going on around you. Hold your hand up. You made some huge mistakes. Most of our mistakes are because of communication failures. Now let's talk about praying in the Spirit. I want to say right up front, praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues, it is not a merit badge. It's not something that you can do this, now you're honored, and if you can't, you're not. It's not that way at all. It is not some class that Christians attain to. I want you to get that in your head. It is simply a tool. Everyone say tool. It is simply a tool that heaven gives as a gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. It's just simply a gift. That's all it is. And it is to help believers live more like Christ so you can make an impact in the time that you have on this earth. When I had been married about a year or two for Christmas, my father, whose love language was giving gifts, Christmas Day brought old Steve and Sue a grill with propane and all that. And he unloaded it from his truck. He had it wrapped, had a bow on it. I opened it up and he saw the disappointment in my face because I'm a knucklehead. I'm an idiot. My father wanted to be good to me. I didn't want a grill because I had a $30 charcoal grill that was rusted through the bottom and one of the legs was broke. But I thought that was perfectly good. I thought it was perfectly good. I didn't need a gift. I didn't need anything better. I was happy with my $30 terrible grill until I'd been using the other grill for about a month. And I thought, boy, my dad is so smart. <laughs> a grill is nothing but a tool. That's all it is. Now, 
Maybe you've been raised in a church setting where you told this was not good, it was not biblical, it was not necessary, it was not helpful, and that is God in your head. And it's tough to overcome it once it gets in your head. The seminary that I went to right down the road at Asbury, if you had this experience and you applied to go there, they would throw your application in the trash can. Because they knew that was not of God, so they didn't want those kind of people. And then when I visited there later, they said, we want those kind of people, but we ask you not to say anything about it. It's quiet, be quiet. Don't tell anybody. And then when I finally did enroll, half my class already had this experience before they came. They had understood more of what the scripture says. I want to say the enemy fights hard against this because he knows it is a huge blessing. So he does not want people to experience this. Now, being filled with the Spirit or being baptized in the Spirit is a separate experience from salvation. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. And I tell you what, you could actually get baptized in the very same moment. Both things could happen at the same time, but it is a separate experience. We could go through the book of Acts, we could go through the Gospels, take several hours, I could show you that, but just to give you one example... The disciples received the Holy Spirit in the upper room in John chapter 20. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they were born again. Because you can't get born again without the Holy Spirit. And then about 48 days later, at the day of Pentecost, they were actually filled with the Holy Spirit. Two separate occasions. And you see that throughout the book of Acts. So I just want to say, please... Some of you people that have to be theologically precise and have to get all the terminology just right and you have to understand all the dots and cross all the T's. It's like going on vacation. You're not going to get in the van until you know exactly where you're going, how many miles, how many hours, where you're stopping. You're not going to get in the van because you have to know everything. Just get in the van. Go on the vacation. You're about to miss the trip because you think you have to know everything. Stop, stop, stop. Forget the terms. Just forget it. There's only one issue. Do you want more of God or not? That's all it is. If you want more of God, say amen. Amen. I want more of God. I need more today than I needed at any time in my life. I just need him bad because I'm very, very, very needy. Now, I've been on buses and subways. It's never been my desire. I've been in buses in the Andes of Ecuador, that was scary. I've been in buses in China, buses in the Philippines, buses in Germany, buses in Argentina, buses in Ethiopia. I've been in buses in a lot of places. The object of getting in a bus, I've been in lots of subways. I remember in Moscow getting on a subway and the, the subways in Moscow are crazy. The Russians understand if I don't get on, I don't get on. And so they push and shove, and they get very close to your body. I had a little babushka that was about this tall and this broad. She tackled me from behind on the subway stand and thrust me into a pile of 100 other people standing in a small space. I felt I was violated. (laughs) I didn't know a Russian grandmother would do that to a stranger, but she did. So if you got to go somewhere, you got to get on the bus... It doesn't matter if the bus is blue. 
It doesn't matter if it's red, doesn't matter if it's green, doesn't matter if it's yellow. For goodness sake, just get on the bus. Just get on the bus. Just get on the bus. That's all I gotta say. So it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit. And when you receive Jesus, like I did, May 10th, 1972, the Holy Spirit came within me because you can't get born again without the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. But, 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 it's clearly a different thing to be full, everyone say full, full of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the picture? Is that clear? You can have an ounce or you can have 24 ounces. I'd rather have the 24. It's just that simple. And Paul went on to say this. He said, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled, that, that Greek tense there is to be continually filled. You, you don't just get filled one time. You need to be filled all the time. I need to be filled today. I need to be filled yesterday. So here's a question. Let's put it on a third grade level. Does Jesus want us full or empty? What do you think? Full. Are you sure? One more time. You know, I'm a better husband if I'm full. I love lost people better if I'm full. I serve you guys better if I'm full. I need to be full. I don't like being empty because I'm dragging. I'm gnarly. I'm selfish. I'm arrogant. So the issue is full of what? Full of self? Full of some vain philosophy? Full of addiction? Full of dope? Full of what? What do we need to be full of? The full of the Holy Spirit. Where is Jesus? We talked about it last week. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit so we can be full every day. You cannot serve Jesus well without being full. And you need to know when you're lean and empty and when you're full and ready to go. So a person can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak with tongues. That's true. Some of my Pentecostal friends say, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's biblical. But here's, here's my point. The scripture is clear. Nobody has to speak in tongues. But it is available. It is a tool. It is an asset. It is a help. And in my thought, it's open for everybody. Everybody. You can. You really can. You really can. And you say, for me? Everyone say, for me? Of course, for you. God's no respecter of persons. He's not. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now, let me make clear. There is no verse, no passage in the entire Bible that says the gifts of the Spirit left after the apostles died. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. It does not say that the filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for today. It doesn't say that. There is one passage, one, 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 one passage that people use to proof text. And it's found from 1 Corinthians 13. And they take this entirely out of context and say, well, when the perfect comes... Uh, these special languages will be done away with. And I go, excuse me, you miss the whole context, the context, all the chapters, not about the gifts, it's about love. It's not about this. And I look around Lexington 
I look around the church, I look around my life, there's nothing perfect anywhere around. Someone say amen. There ain't no perfect on the planet. Perfect's going to happen when Jesus comes back. Then it'll be right. Until that time comes, I need all I can get. I just need all I can get. I just need all I can get. So, religious tradition. You can't be raised in church. If you got saved yesterday, some of this stuff's going to jump on you. It's like an invisible cougar hanging in a tree. It'll just jump on you. It just happens. It happens to all of us. Uh, people say, well, I wasn't raised that way, or this is what I was taught, or this was my, what my great-great-granddaddy, he showed me. Now, he was an alcoholic all of his life, and he beat me, but he told me this. And church tradition can get in the way of what God wants you to see. Now, you are welcome to disagree with me. I don't teach saying you got to believe this. I'm going to share. You study on your own, and you come to your own conclusion. Now, this issue of tradition, man, I was raised Methodist, and my dad was a Baptist, and I toured with a Baptist choir as a teenager and was a drunk infidel at the same time. Isn't that wonderful? But in Jesus' day... They had a problem called tradition, and it's the traditionalists that crucified him. And he said, no, this is not the scripture, not about your traditions. And if you know anything about church history, this has been the problem for 2,000 years. It just has. And by the way, I got lies in my head that I don't see too, because... I was impacted by these people, and I've just swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. Let me give you some examples. This is Martin Luther, a very committed man, a monk, a pastor, a priest, a devout man studying the scriptures. He couldn't find salvation, but he was trying really, really, really hard. He taught theology at the university. He spoke a bunch of languages. He was brilliant, and one day... He's reading the Bible. Is it good to read the Bible or not? I recommend it. It's a good book. Recommend it. And he came upon in the book of Romans one little verse, and it just jumped out. It went boom. And it went, the just, the righteous, live by what? Faith. And he went, well, that's odd. I've been a priest for 20 years. We don't live by faith. We live by rote. We live by tradition. We have all these works, and I've been trying to find my way to heaven, and all they're telling me is work, 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 and I still hadn't found it. And then when, he's, when this transformed his life, and he had a personal encounter, and as a university professor, he loved debate, and so he wrote on a piece of paper in German, could have been in Latin too, and he tacked it to the church door of the university. He wasn't trying to split the church. He didn't want to pick a fight. He didn't want to do anything. He just said, we need to talk about these things. There's 31 things that you guys say this, but the scriptures clearly say this. So can we talk about it? Not only did they not want to talk about it, they wanted to kill him, burn him alive, and stop this stuff because it was against their tradition. And when they hauled him into court... And he stood up by himself 
And he just said, you know what? What I've written, I've written. And here I stand, I can do no other. The righteous are saved through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not by their works. Now this guy, John Wesley, both Asbury's right down the road, take their roots from him. He is one of my greatest heroes. I love this man. Same kind of thing. Raised in the house of a pastor and his grandfather was a pastor. He practically had the New Testament memorized in Greek. He did jail ministry. He fed the poor. He preached. And one thing he didn't have, he couldn't find faith himself. He even went to be a missionary. Came to Savannah, Georgia to be a missionary. And it was such a horrible experience. He went back to England, wrote in his journey journal, I came to Georgia to save the Indians, but who's going to save me? He went to a Bible study, heard the gospel, gave his heart to Christ, May 24, 1738, changed his life. And then he started reading the scriptures very differently. And so he started preaching what he'd experienced. 1742, he was asked to speak at the place he grew up in, the church he grew up in, where his father had pastored 20 years. He lived in the parsonage. And when he got there to preach, one o'clock service, the pastor and the elders met him at the door and said, by the way, you're not allowed in here. What? Not allowed in here? I was raised in here. You're not allowed in here. Why? Because you're preaching this heresy. You're messing with our tradition. You're ruffling feathers. You're telling people this stuff. I bet it's not even, even in the Bible. You must be born again. And he, they said, you'll never be in another Anglican church again. So you know what he did? He went outside. You can't see it there. His father was buried 20 feet from the church front door. And he said, little five foot two guy, if you're not going to let me preach in the church, I'll preach on my father's tomb. And he stood up there, preached the gospel. People gave their heart to the Lord, and it started a revival in England. Now, someone say, praise God. But here's the problem. The church forgets, don't we? We just forget. We forget the truth. And if you look around, you guys may not know this, but the church in the West is in trouble. The church in Europe is about gone. The church in Canada is about gone. And the church in America is doing this rapidly. The mainline churches. So it looks like we're not paying attention. Now, to be clear with you, if I'm going to just share, try to help you navigate this, there's two kinds of tongues found in the scripture. Let me make this very simple. There is a gift of tongues. Everyone say gift. There's a gift of tongues, and the gift of tongues is used for a public usage. In a church service or in a small group where somebody feels they need to say something, and when it comes out, it's not in English. It may be in Croatian. One of my mentors grew up in Georgia in the East, and that's how he became a Christian. He was a drug addict, a cop, undercover cop in San Francisco, and his wife had received Christ, the one he beat. 
And she got filled with the Holy Ghost and she got a prayer language. She comes home one day, she's kneeling and she's praying to God in a language she doesn't know and it's a language of his village. And he falls down on his face and gives his heart to Christ. And, and when it goes from being a drug addict and a violent man people were afraid of in the street to becoming a mighty servant of the Lord. I mean, the Lord just showed up and said, I'm reading your mail today, bucko. Everyone say bucko. And Paul said, this is a manifestation for the common good. Common good people benefit from it, okay? That's, that's for the public use. And then the private prayer language is kind of what I have. And it's for devotional use. I use it every single day. On my prayer drive this morning, I prayed in the spirit maybe 15 minutes and I also prayed in English this morning. Okay, I wanna show you how that works. Now, here's what the scriptures say. Okay, so I want you to look at the scriptures. Don't take my thought and my word for it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse one, we should desire God's spiritual gifts. If he wants to give us a grill, we should have the policy, I want the grill, Lord. Does that make sense? By the way, Paul says it how many times? The answer is always on the screen, remember, third grade level. And three times. If he says something three times, that's called the law of repetition. It's important, pay attention. Prayer language, or someone when they speak in tongues, is a real language. They are speaking. The word language is used about three times in the passage. And then verse two says they are speaking to someone. I'm not speaking to my neighbor. I'm not speaking to my wife. Paul says who they're speaking to. Who are they speaking to? Speaking to God, is that good or bad? That's always good. It's always good. D, verse 2, says when a person speaks in tongues, the Greek word there is a word mysterion, which means mysteries or means secrets. It's things you could not comprehend. It's things way above you. It's things you could never figure out in a lifetime, and yet the Holy Spirit is allowing you to have a small part of this. Point E. One of the main reasons for a prayer language, and this has been my experience, Paul says, he who prays in a tongue edifies himself. Would you please say the word edify? You know what the word edify means? And we don't use that in our culture. You know what it means? It means to strengthen. It means they strengthen themselves when they pray in the spirit. Is that powerful? Oh, yes. And Paul also says something in verse number 18. I hope you mark these in your Bible. He said, I speak in tongues more than anyone in the entire movement in that early days of the church. I don't know if you've noticed, Paul is a pretty sharp guy. I wonder why he was so effective. Maybe 
There is a reason here. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. This summer, this fall, this winter, just asking, is there a chance you would like to be stronger? Would you like to think clearer? Would you have more steadfastness? Would you like to have more compassion? Would you like to have more forgiveness for people that have hurt you? This is telling you what's available and what you can do. Verse number 32 says this, the spirit of a prophet is controlled by the prophet. That means the person is speaking in a prayer language, he controls it. God, Holy Spirit's not going to come and make you start speaking Yiddish against your will. He's not going to open your mouth. He's not going to make you fly around the room. Now, he can knock your socks off if he wants to do that, and you need that. But my point is, you pray as loud as you want to or as quietly. I can pray so quiet the person beside me doesn't even know I'm doing it. You can pray for an hour. I have prayed in the Spirit for an hour. Or you can pray for 30 seconds because you need help right then. You control it, okay? Now, this is the best part. My study this week actually helped me. I think the Holy Spirit said, Steve, oh boy, I need to help you here. Let me make something clear. Stuff I'd never, never, ever seen before how this works. Okay, look at verse number, go back to your Bibles. Look at verse number, 1 Corinthians 14. 14, 14. Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is, what? Unfruitful. Verse 15. What is the outcome then? Look at how, what his devotional life looks like. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the spirit. So he worshiped doing this. And I will sing also with my mind also, in other words, he's praying in Latin or Aramaic or Greek or Hebrew. He knew all those. Or he's praying in tongues. And he's going back and forth. Now, look at, look at the chart up on the screen. Everybody in this room, if you had a little baby this year, little baby's on this chart too. All of us have a body. See at the bottom, we all have a body. That's our earth suit. We also have a soul. And the soul is made up of our mind, will, and emotions. But we also, we are a spirit. The real you, the invisible you, is a spirit.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now let me show you, show, show you how that works. Does anybody have an interpretation? It doesn't have to be word for word. But if the Lord wanted to say something to us, that might have been for somebody in this room. So if you have an interpretation, just stand and share what you think that what the Lord said in English. Anybody? Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord of a... Oh, my. I got... She saw cups, the Lord pouring out cups of liquid. I got stuff all over my body. Whoa. Uh, pouring out cups of his love and his presence and his kindness here, even today. And I don't doubt some of you bear witness that that was for you. We've been praying for an outpouring. This is Father's Day. I think the Father Gave us a touch of his love and his mercy today. At the chart, when the Spirit of God speaks to you, he doesn't speak to your mind, he speaks to your spirit. You sense something before you know something. You sense you need to get right. You sense you need forgiveness. You sense the Lord wants to touch you and grant healing. So he speaks to your spirit before he speaks to your mind. Now, there's a difference between praying with your mind and your spirit. When we pray just with our mind, this is important, pay attention. It's always incomplete. If you're praying for your lost son today who's 25 and he's in Texas, you don't know who he's with. You just know he's lost. You don't know who he's dating. You don't know how depressed he is today. You just don't know because you're not there. So when we pray, we still pray. But I want you to know it's always incomplete. We don't have the full picture because we lack knowledge when I'm praying in English. I'm praying, and it's good, but I lack knowledge because I don't know who's there in Texas with him. I don't know if somebody dangerous just got in the car with him. I don't know that because I'm 1,500 miles away. I don't even know what's going to play out this afternoon with him. And I don't even know what God is seeing right now. I don't know that, but he's, he knows it. And the Spirit of God, since I've been praying, is there with him, hovering in that car, waiting for him to turn. 
And so when we just pray with our mind, we just pray with our intellect, we pray in English, it's always, it's never completely accurate. We're just doing the best we can. Are you with me? But when we have a prayer language in Romans 8, now I want you to see this. Please turn to Romans 8. You may have never seen this. And I want you to underline it, put it in yellow. Romans 8 says, in the same way the Spirit helps our weakness. Yesterday I was so weak. Man, I had so much going on. I was just pleading for God to help me. We do not know how to pray. Have you ever been in a situation or don't know how to pray? Hold your hand up. You've been in a situation you don't know how to pray. Lord, I'm at a loss here. But the Spirit himself is going to pray. He's going to intercede for us with groanings from the inside too deep for words. And he who searches the heart of my boy in the car and my heart right here in Lexington, he knows the mind of the Spirit because he's interceding for the saints. And the way he's interceding is according to the will of God. And so when we pray in the Spirit, we're joining the Holy Spirit. And He's helping us. He knows all things. I know hardly anything. And I'm agreeing in my prayer language with what He wants to do. And He's saying yes, and I'm saying yes. So praying in the Spirit is always more effective than just praying with my mind only. That's why I do both, and that's why Paul said I do both. I switch back and forth from my prayer language to English, back and forth, back and forth, and I enjoy it. When praying in the Spirit, most of the time we don't know what we're saying. We don't. And it's probably good. If I knew what was going on, I'd probably get so scared, I'd go home and get under the bed and never come out. I'd say, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, Lord. And Paul says when a person prays in tongues, he prays in the Spirit, but his mind is unfruitful. Sometimes he'll give you impressions. Sometimes he'll give you thoughts. All I care about is he knows. That's all I care about. And when he prompts me to pray, I want to say yes, because I need to do this. And praying in the Spirit is powerful. It's more on target. Like what? Praying more on target for my lost boy. Praying on target for my business to succeed. Praying on target. You're a college student. You just started law school at Vanderbilt. And you're going to be there four years. And you want to make the right friends and take the right classes and stay out of demonic traps. You need to pray on target if you're at Vanderbilt. And praying on target for the ministry God's called you to. And when prompted to pray in tongues, you may be praying for that boy in trouble. You may be praying against a demonic trap that's going to hit you at 8 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. You may just need the strength because if you get so discouraged, you may quit on Jesus. I've, I've been close. All of us have been there. 
I can't quit. I can't stop. I got to keep loving. I got to keep sharing. And here's here's what blew me away this week. If you're praying in the Spirit, you may be praying for a village of boys in Pakistan. And Jesus wants to show up on Friday. And he's looking for prayer support. And if you join him in prayer, Jesus just may walk among those mud huts. And all of a sudden they know that Jesus is real because you partnered with the Holy Spirit. The more you use the Spirit in prayer, the more revelation you will receive. Sometime back, I was working on Saturday night, getting ready for Sunday, and I'd been praying in in English and in my prayer language, and I got the strangest impression ever. I wrote it down because I felt like it was from the Holy Spirit, and it just said this. Call so-and-so. Now, the language of the Holy Spirit is impressions right here. It's thoughts. It's word pictures. It's something he wants to communicate. So I got this name, and the thought was, call this person tonight, invite him to this men's event. Well, I started arguing with the Lord. I said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, Lord. This person comes once a year, and he's not even saved, and I took him to lunch, and he was rude to me, and his wife loves Jesus, but he doesn't care a bit. Jesus, you're wasting your time. Holy Spirit, I'm not going to do it. And the more he stayed on me, I said, okay, I'll call him just to show you. You don't know what you're talking about. I called him up and said, this is Pastor Steve. I don't know if you remember me, but we got this men's event next Saturday. Would you come? You go, I'm not interested. Click. I said, well, see there, Holy Spirit, I told you, you don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to get me in trouble. Now you've hurt the kingdom because you asked me to do something really weird and I ain't doing it no more. Three days later, the guy called me and said, uh, sheepishly, could we meet? I said, sure. So we met here, and I said, how can I help you? He said, let's go in my, your office where we can talk quietly. I was going, uh-oh. And uh, he said this, I received Jesus as an 18-year-old at this university through Campus Crusade, but I took a philosophy class, and they took my faith. And I've been living broken without faith for 35 years. And he said, could you help me? I said, there's a lot of things I can't do, but maybe I could help you a little bit. We met every week for six months. That brother recommitted his life to to Christ, grew in discipleship, and today he's serving Jesus. I said, I knew you all the time, Jesus. I knew Holy Spirit. You know, I trusted you, Steve. We always trust you, Lord. I never argue. Yes, sure. Well, here's my counsel. Would the worship team come up? The Holy Spirit is the one that inspires these words. You will feel them right here. Okay, he inspires, but you got to talk. You have to speak. This morning when I preach, I decided to preach. If I share the gospel, I decide to share the gospel. If I tell my wife, honey, I love you. I do that every day. I decide to tell her, I love you. So if you're going to pray in a prayer language, you have to decide. You're going to do that. He's not going to do this with you. You have to decide. He's a gentleman. Normally it comes out as a trickle. I heard the testimony of a teenager. We talked last week and uh, the family said, my, my daughter received her prayer language this week. And she was so excited. 
It just came while she was praying for somebody else. It starts as a trickle. It starts really slowly. It's kind of awkward. You feel a little weird, maybe uncomfortable. It's very limited. It's like I took two, two years of Russian in college. I've been to Russia, but man, I never could get fluent in Russian. I just felt always awkward trying to remember, what was that? I don't want to say this. And it was just really weird. But the, if you don't quit, you get comfortable. You get more relaxed. You get fluent and you don't worry about how you sound. You don't worry about what you're saying if you don't quit. Now, what happened to me? These college students prayed for me. A little trickle came out. I prayed a little bit when a guy told me he was going to take his life. I was 19. I didn't know what to do with it. I prayed a little bit because I was, I didn't know what to do. But basically for 25 years, I didn't use this. mistake on my part. If you have this blessing, you should use it every single day of your life. And this is weird, but it's true. Most people in Pentecostal churches are charismatic churches. They say they have it like I did, but they don't use it. Probably 75% of them. The devil took it from them. This is what got me started again. I went to Asbury Seminary to hear this woman speak. Somebody invited me. I didn't know who she was. Her name is Jackie Pullinger. She went there as a 22-year-old with no mission agency, no support. She just moved to Hong Kong to work with drug addicts and street people. She got there for a year. It was absolutely miserable. The drug addicts spit on her. Doors closed in her face. The government not only didn't help her, they threw her out of neighborhoods. It was completely horrible and in complete brokenness. She was ready to go back to England. She's cried out to God saying, why aren't you helping me, Lord? You called me here. What is wrong with you? And he said, honey, I gave you a gift and you're not using it. And she went, oh, oh. And she started praying in the spirit 15 minutes every day. The drug addicts stopped spitting on her. Doors opened up to her. The city helped her. And today she has a huge ministry. And when she said that, guess what your pastor did? I started praying in my prayer language 15 minutes minimum every day. I started growing. The church started growing. I'm telling you. It is a gift and a tool. So don't let the devil tell you stuff. Well, you're just making it up. You're not. It's just getting started. He says stuff like this. Well, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. No, 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 it is not. He wouldn't be so afraid of it. Well, this is not even of Jesus. Hey, Jesus told you to do it. And last, well, I may look foolish if I do this. Can I tell you something? We all look foolish anyway. You're going to look foolish no matter what you do. We're kind of fools. You're fools if you do and fools if you don't. So go do it. Now let's share these verses. Will you read these verses with me? This is all about this. Read them out loud. For anyone, everyone that asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. He who knocks, it shall be open. Did Jesus say that? Yes or no? 
What was the context? Here's a context. Say it. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Just ask. Just ask. I want to close our service with several things. There's some of you here today, some of you watching, maybe in another country, another city, that have never given your heart to Jesus. You didn't know you needed to give your heart to Jesus, but you know something is missing, just like I knew something was missing. So I'm going to ask the entire congregation, and I'm going to ask you guys watching online to pray this prayer out loud with me. Now, if you don't, if you don't want to, don't. But if you want to, and if you'll join your brethren, would you say it out loud with me, please? Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word, I receive forgiveness for my sins and salvation now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come down and see one of us and let us help you take the next step. Okay, now one last prayer. Not going to force you, not push you, but let's all stand, can we? Let's just all stand. This is a prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to ask him for a prayer language, you ask him. You ask him. Like that teenage girl did. She wanted that. And she asked him. Several days later, she received. Okay? So if you want more, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud, please. Heavenly Father, I recognize my need for your power to live for Christ. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. By faith, I receive this right now. Thank you for baptizing me with your spirit. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my life. Now, Lord, you've gone to great lengths to tell us you're pouring yourself out. So during this last song, just pour yourself out. The altars are open. You can worship. You can stand. You can sit. But most of all, do business with the one that wants to fill you to overflowing so you can be a blessing to a dry and thirsty land. Let's worship. The altars are open. There's people to pray with you. And if you'd like to receive a prayer language, ask him for it and start speaking. Don't speak in English. You can start in English. You can do it while you're driving, you're in the shower, you're studying. Ask him to give you a language so you can pray better, deeper, and closer.
Father's Day today because the Father loves us more than any person on the planet and he's for you I don't care how you've messed up in the past because I've messed up too I don't care how you failed the Father just loves us he sent his son to die for us and there's a broken world that needs you because you've got a call on your life And the mission is not in here, it's out there. And you're going to meet people this week. And when you show up, the Holy Spirit's going to say, love that person, help that person. And you're going to feel his presence grow in your life. You're going to feel his presence. And Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you're the healer of wounds that have maybe come from our own family mistakes we've made but you're okay with that because it's a new day so continue to release your power would you just show up in so many wonderful unexpected ways that we just know wow God just got in my car today thank you for your glory and honor in Jesus name amen slip out quietly there's people doing business with the Lord we'll stay as long as as you have need and you want prayer. So God bless you.
We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.